0: Happy hey, welcome to the Happy rant podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always by Barnabas Piper and pipe we have uh, we have another uh, little special episode in the in the works today. So um, right. you it's and I bonus. We share. Uh, it is a bonus, man. And I, I, told you off the air. I shared that this will be the best thing that happens to me today. So, uh, which is both a reflection of the fact that I love talking about the NFL draft, but also just uh, the fact that it's a Monday and uh, it's shaping up to be that kind of a day for me. So this is uh, this is a little reprieve, man. So I'm uh, I'm stoked to hear your. Uh, thoughts as a Viking fan on the draft, and I'm, I'm of course always stoked to talk about the NFL draft. So um, excited to get into that. But I wanted to, uh, I wanted to tease something real quick, man. Uh, as what our do? listeners may or may not know, uh, I wrote and co-produced uh, a feature-length film. It's actually a football film we shot in the old Pontiac Silverdome, uh, which used to be the home of the Detroit Lions, uh, the Michigan Panthers and the USFL. Uh, the Detroit Pistons played there for a little while back in the the Bad Boys era. And uh, we shot a movie there. We shot there for 10 days uh, last fall. And now we've launched a little Kickstarter campaign just to raise the rest of our post-production money. So uh, making a movie is a long, and expensive process. And uh, in order to do this thing right, in order to, in order to make the picture look uh, as great as it can possibly be, um, we are raising some more money. And we actually have some great premiums, some stuff that we pulled out of the Dome. Uh, lots of original lion stuff, seat backs, pieces of the roof, um, like ticket stubs, all kinds of stuff that we uh that we were able to to reclaim from the dome and uh, offer to people is a, on. Is that
1: a fancy word for steal? Like, is this a is this a black market thing? That no, we've dude. Here's how it on?
0: worked. It was really cool. So the dome is actually slated for demolition. It's going to come down sometime this summer. And uh, while we were in there, the guy the guy who owned it, the guy who leased it to us to to use as a movie set, was basically like. You guys own it for the next ten days, so like whatever's not whatever's not nailed down, whatever you want, you can you can take out of here. So um, we actually found some amazing stuff. I wish I had more time, like when we weren't working on the film itself. I wish I could have just scavenged around in there, but I found like old like contracts from the USFL and old paperwork, and uh, I've got an old film. I found uh, the last kind of (coughs) remaining Lions game film that was in there that hadn't already been scavenged uh you're not you're not
1: giving that away for the kickstarter
0: dude definitely not giving that away i got some (laughs) turf that i'm not giving away i I snagged a seat back or two for myself but uh but yeah we have lots of great stuff man and it's exciting i mean this will make you uh right away the the coolest and most interesting person at whatever cocktail party you're at just to to say you're involved so um and we actually have we have stuff from the
1: link in the show notes so listeners can find it real easily all right or i'm sure you can search it on kickstarter but we'll just drop it in uh We'll just drop it in in the show notes to make it real easy to find.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And if you if you do wander over to Kickstarter, um, it's Silverdome Film. So you can look us up that way on uh, on Kickstarter. But yeah, we've got um, we've got categories as low as a dollar and as high as ten thousand dollars. If uh, if somebody wants a, an associate producer credit. So um, so, yeah, man, it's fun. We're we're excited to, to kick this thing off and hopefully the the money will be in hand soon and we can just finish up the movie.
1: Is an associate producer credit kind of like getting your name on a building at a college? Like it's just you you, Dude, you it, earn that by donating.
0: It totally is. Yeah, it totally is. And and the levels are different. So I think actually I think 10 grand would would maybe get somebody executive producer. I would have to uh, I would have to look. But, but yeah, those are those are basically like naming rights to a, a building at a college. And uh, and again, a pretty cool thing. I mean, your name would be on there next to Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach at Texas Tech, was one of our. Uh, one of our big contributors uh, early on, he's our, our biggest investor in the film. Brett Hartman, who punted for the uh, the Houston Texans in the NFL, is uh, is involved. Um, we've got a guy who played for the White Sox, who was a former first round pick of the White Sox. So um, it's a pretty pretty illustrious uh, cast and crew of of uh, producers there. So it'd be fun to have your name on the on the movie.
1: Well, if I come up with ten grand in the next few weeks, I'll strongly consider it.
0: Dude, there you go. You know, you can you can start saving for your kids' college, or you can throw it at uh, you know a very safe investment in the world of investing. I'm sure your uh, your broker, your financial guy would uh, would echo that sentiment. You know, film well, investing for, is just
1: rock yeah. solid. Entertainment investments are always are always just a firm bet to pay off. They pay out year over year. It's amazing.
0: You know, they really are. They really really are. It's just a safe bet. And pipe. Speaking of safe bets. Uh, there are going to be 32 NFL teams on Thursday night looking for safe bets of their own. And I love the NFL draft. Um, I may actually, at at this stage of my life, I might love it more than, I definitely love it more than the Super Bowl. I may love it more than, you know, a lot of the games themselves. I just think it's perfect televised drama. Um, There are so many storylines. It's that kind of, Optimistic moment that every team is allowed to have, where you uh, you dream about your roster and you dream about all the all the moves that your team could make to uh, to make you competitive. So um, I'm stoked out of my mind about the draft. Uh, as always, there are some logistical things just in in family and in life to work around to be able to fully enjoy it. But uh, I, I have to ask you this before we really get into the the nuts and bolts of the players themselves: um, who do you who whose televised feed do you watch? Like, are you an ESPN guy? Do you like their crew? Do you like NFL Network? What are you watching on draft night?
1: I like the NFL Network's crew better for for analysis, but they just mm-hmm. don't do entertainment quite as well, um, right. you know, in terms of the highlights and things like that. But but the ESPN talking heads are – they wear on me after a while. Yeah. So now, who wears you, on you the you most? You know what – oh, let's see. I'm trying to remember. Um, is Berman still involved in this one? Because he used Dude. to be the host for it, and he was yeah. the worst. I couldn't I really, stand him. Well, I mean, just in general, but
0: I really couldn't agree more, man. It's fascinating that you bring that up because I'm not a Chris Berman guy. There, there are certain people who swear by Chris Berman. Uh, I'm not one of them. He he aggravates me as well. But I'll tell you, uh, a guy that I love is John Gruden. Um, where are you at on John Gruden, man? Are you a fan?
1: Ah, uh, I. The the more he gets into talking uh, the nuts and bolts of football, the more I like him. The uh-huh. when he's trying to do the more entertainment side of things, uh, I'm less and I'm less enthused. But like when he does his uh, what does he call like his quarterback camp or those yep. film sessions leading up to the draft, where he sits down yep. and, and has those guys, you know, if this is the if this is the defensive look, um, how would you respond if you get this blitz? And 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 it really shows some stuff about those quarterbacks in terms of their ability to. Read and react and understand defenses. And he, you know, he very clearly knows and loves the game. And I love that he's really passionate about it. He's not just sort of a, he's not a, like, Berman is faux enthusiasm, I feel like. It's it's (laughs) theatrics. I feel like Gruden just sort of, if if he didn't have to sleep because he was human, he would just think football all the time and just love it.
0: Dude, I totally agree. Totally agree. So, Pipe, the way I thought that we would cover this is uh, I just want to go down the line position by position. And uh, I want to talk about guys we like in each position group. So this, uh, for me, isn't necessarily the first-ranked guy in each position group, mm-hmm. but they're just players that I like, uh, players that I think represent great value. Uh, maybe we can talk about players in each position group that, that scare us a little bit. But uh, if you're up for it, I'd like to run through that. Um, and then I'd like to do uh, just a little mock draft. Maybe the first 10 picks of the draft we can uh, we can alternate back and forth. Um, you can get us kicked off with uh with the Browns, and then I'll I'll take it from there, and we'll alternate back and forth, and just mock uh the first ten picks of the draft, and in, uh, in if you're all not, the senses
1: uh, of the words mock,
0: mock in all the senses of the words mock, but not in the typical sense that we that we get into on this show. Man, I have to tell you, I will probably be more earnest today about the NFL draft than I ever am on this program. Um, and that's going to be that's going to be kind of a soft spot we we did man i'm i'm a big softie for the nfl draft and uh and people are going to see that man they're going to see that side of me come out so uh pipe let's start with quarterbacks um you know this is the glamour position every year we've talked about how uh the industry the media kind of overhypes these guys and there will be guys that are over drafted give me the name of a guy at that position that you really like regardless of where you have him ranked um just a player that you like
1: Man, I don't like any of these quarterbacks. I think I think Deshaun Watson has okay. the potential to be the best if he's put in the right situation. But but even he is. I mean, there's no safe bets in this group. It's a really bad quarterback class. And what's going to happen is these guys get pushed into the middle of the first round because quarterback is such an important position. But they're going to end up being, you know, the the Christian Ponders of the world. Because because teams are gonna draft for need instead of looking at their true talent. I feel like I mean you think about like Teddy Bridgewater was I think the thirtieth overall pick. Uh, mm-hmm. the Vikings traded back into the first round to get him a few years ago. Right. He's better than all these guys by a fair margin, uh, just yep. as a as a quarterback prospect. And and he's only been a middling quarterback, you know, prior to hurting himself. So I don't know. I think I think Watson is the one if I was going to be forced to pick one, but I'm not excited yeah.
0: about any of these guys. If you had to hit your wagon to a guy, it would be Watson. I'm going to throw you yeah. a crazy name, man, and this is a guy who I think you remove the injuries and you remove the off the field stuff, um, and he's basically Patrick Mahomes oh, except know, that he's not getting any of the love that that Pat Mahomes is getting. It's Chad Kelly from Old Miss. Yeah. Um yeah. I met Chad Kelly uh, when he was a senior in high school, I actually, I was doing a book with his uncle, Jim Kelly, uh, from the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I was in Buffalo at the same time that Jim was doing his quarterback camp, and uh, and Chad was there as a camper. Uh, freakishly talented kid, very big, very strong, very athletic. Um, the thing about Chad Kelly to me is Old Miss was in games because of him. Uh, no stage is beat, ever too big for this kid. He uh, beat Alabama
1: at least – at least once, maybe twice, which absolutely n- uh, no other SEC quarterback has done, dude. That's right. And he's just, knocked. It's it's crazy.
0: He's knocked off Alabama, and he's been ice in those games. I mean, just ice water in his veins. Um, he's the kind of kid you want on your team. And adults <clears throat> might not like him. Media people might not like him. Coaches might not like him. But as a player, you love him, and you love having a guy like that in your huddle who's willing to do anything and do whatever it takes. I think he's got a good arm. Um, I think he's got above-average athletic ability. Uh, this is a guy, though, that can probably be had in the sixth or seventh round, or even as an undrafted free agent. And I think you talk it, about guys, you know, like Patrick. off the
1: field issues. Was it was it DUI stuff? Was it uh, was? I mean, it wasn't.
0: Dude, dude is it was weird. So, abuse
1: related. It wasn't like domestic violence stuff, right?
0: It wasn't. So he had a he had a weird kind of immaturity moment at Clemson where he got into an on the field fight basically with a coach during spring ball. Um, and he was tossed. He was tossed off the team. Uh, he went to community college in Mississippi, the one that was in that Netflix documentary, uh, yeah. which is a crazy thing to watch if you haven't watched it. Um, I forget the name of it, but it was just like sad and astonishing in in all the right ways. Uh, but anyway, Kelly played there for a year. Then he went to Ole Miss uh, and was very successful. You know, had a had a good run at Ole Miss, and then the injury bug started to t- started to hit here through the draft process, but. Um, he had another off the field thing that I think, uh, he got into a bar fight and he was kind of defending, uh, don't quote me on this. I could be wrong, but I think he was defending a friend or a family member or whatever. So, I mean, it was one of those defensible things that you look at and you go again, it doesn't look great on paper. It doesn't look great from a PR standpoint, but, um, do I want this guy, you know, to have my back in a, in a dark alley? And do I want him in the huddle when I'm playing Alabama or when I'm playing, you know, the the Oakland Raiders next year. Uh, I, I think he's a guy that I would roll the dice on uh, in day three of the draft, and I think he represents great value right there, especially in an environment where somebody's going to roll the dice on Pat Mahomes in day one of the draft, and it's going to mm-hmm. be a similar risk. You know, you're taking a gunslinger from a goofy college offense and reshaping him, which is exactly what you would have to do with Chad Kelly.
1: Yeah, and and the... I mean, I, I think yeah, I think Kelly has. I think his injuries are more more of an issue than the off the field stuff, and the fact that I think yeah. he's already twenty three or twenty four. Um, yeah, yeah. So that that obviously pushes him down the draft board. But yeah, I think. I mean, he's the kind of he's the kind of guy who like I don't know the Saints are going to draft in the fifth or sixth round, yep. and in two years he'll replace Drew Brees,
0: and uh, <laughs> and and everybody's going to go where'd this guy come from? That's right. It'll be fascinating to see where he goes. And and let me be clear. I hate spread quarterbacks. Uh, I don't like drafting kids out of spread systems. But to me, the further you get into the draft, the the better value he represents. And well,
1: uh, it becomes a no risk situation because if it doesn't work right. out, I mean, how many fifth round, sixth round picks? You know, that's right. Those are they're they're non guaranteed money. And if it hits, it's a huge value. Just look, I mean, look at Russell Wilson uh, being he was the reason that the Seahawks built the dynasty they did because they got to pay him nothing because he was That's a third-round right. pick.
0: Absolutely, man. Huge value, especially, again, in an environment where teams tie up so much cap space uh, in the quarterback position. It could be a great bargain. Let's uh, let's move to running back, Pike. Be, give me a name of a guy at uh, the running back position that you like. Uh, this is a risky
1: one because just this is purely talent. But I also I also want to rip the 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 can the lid off this can of worms, <laughs> and it's uh, it's Mixon from Oklahoma. Oh man! Um, oh my goodness! Because just just pure value as a football player. I mean, I think Leonard Fournette and um, Dalvin Cook and maybe Kamara from Tennessee mm. and a handful of the and then McCaffrey are all going to go. By the middle of the second round, um, sure, and and I think he's as good as as all those guys. Absolutely, but because because of better. his yeah, because of his really significant off field issues, uh, I bet he goes late second round at the earliest, maybe third or fourth. Um, Interesting, man. Interesting. You and, know, but the the thing, and, and I think I think he's I think he's a monster.
0: He is. Yeah, he ran in the four fours at two hundred and thirty pounds. Um, the guy is prototype. You know, he's even more of a three down guy than Leonard Fournette. You know, you yeah. talk about Leonard Fournette maybe being a little bit of a liability on third down. Um Mixon is a guy who's done it on third down. He's a guy who was a, a significant part of the passing game at Oklahoma. Um freakishly talented guy. I think, man, I mean, I think where you have him slotted is the is the right place, but I also think somebody is gonna take a, a flyer on him. Way earlier than we think, Um, and 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 it's
1: hard to blame. I think. I mean, you you look at especially a team like the Browns, who have you know seventy four picks this year. uh, (laughs) That's right. Give or take. Yeah. If if they if they draft him and he doesn't work out, they cut him and they still have a load of young talent. But if he hits, all of a sudden they have a playmaker who is way better than anybody on their roster. That's right. I you know. The thing that the thing that I, you know, I've listened to all these draft shows and read these articles and everybody has to put a disclaimer on him that that, of course, his actions are indefensible. Right. And that's that's true. Right. But he that was all settled in court Mm -hmm. uh, as of this past week. Yeah. It's it's behind him legally. And there haven't been any additional issues since that one. Now that doesn't defend anything. And I realize in our society, uh, we have very long memories about certain actions, especially when there's video. Um, But I think he deserves a chance. Uh, I think his, I think the punishment for him will be additional scrutiny, a lot of criticism, and probably an unguaranteed contract, which is not an insignificant thing. But I think he's gonna be better than Dalvin Cook. I think Dalvin Cook is an overrated running back. Um, I do too. I think he'll be better than Christian McCaffrey, although I think he's a, I think he's a unique talent and he'll be good. but yep. I think he and Kamara are the two best running back values in the draft that I' <clears throat> because I think they, they'll be second round, uh, possibly third in, in Mixon's case and then um, and I think they're just really explosive players.
0: Agreed, man. I'm gonna give you another value guy a running back who I love. Uh, I just like this guy's dimensions. Uh, I like that he runs angry. Uh, I love that he came out of a pro-style system at Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm talking about James Conner, man. James Conner's mm-hmm. about 6'2", 230. Um, big dude, can carry the can carry the load in terms of wear and tear. Uh, this is a guy that I absolutely love, man. And, and I love that he's not, um, he's not been in the shotgun. He's not been playing little guy football, lateral football, for the past three years. Uh, he's been playing big boy downhill uh smash mouth football in Pittsburgh's offense. And I think this is a guy who um, is going to come in regardless of where he gets drafted. He's going to run for a, a lot of yards as a rookie. Um, he can do things out of the backfield in the passing game. Um, I'm a big James Conner guy. The other guy that I like, um, we mentioned his school, Joe Mixon's backfield mate, uh, Samadjay Piran. Um, I'm a big back guy. I like the, I like big running backs and uh, Piran was explosive at times for Oklahoma a uh, little bit more one dimensional than Mixon, obviously. Um kind of a poor man's Leonard Fournette, but I think again in the right system, um in a zone run type of uh type of scheme, I think Samaj Piran does a nice job. Yeah, and, and but, the crazy thing was that they were both like five star recruits and you know,
1: one of the they were both sort of top running back recruits in the country. He and Mixon both when they went yeah. into college, and so that you know that was a pretty loaded team.
0: Oh my goodness, yeah. So loaded. So loaded. Uh, let's talk about tight ends. Um, Interesting tight end group this year. The tight end group is getting a lot of hype. Uh, There are some guys that I like, some guys that I don't like because of scheme. Uh, I'm going to give you the name of the guy that I like the best, and I think he will be had in the second round. Uh, And he represents value because he had a little bit of an injury uh, in his bowl game, and that's Jake Butt from Michigan. Um, Jake Butt is one of the few... True tight ends in this class in that he can line up on the line of scrimmage. He can play with his hand in the dirt. Um, He gives you value in the run game as a blocker. Kind of your classic old school do-it-all tight end. And the thing that I loved the most about him was that he was a big part of the passing game. Um, When Michigan threw the ball, they often looked to him first. So um, even more than an O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard's getting a lot of hype. O.J. Howard will go in the top 10. I think he's a reach in the top 10. Uh, I just don't like... um, I, I, don't, I don't like him there. I like him kind of in the back half of the first round uh, rather than the front half. But I, I love Jake Button in the second round. I think he's a huge value and a, he's going to be a great kind of polished Greg Olson type of uh type of player for somebody.
1: Yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's a, uh, I, I feel like at worst case scenario, he's like a Heath Miller type who is, you know, yeah. 10, 10, or 12 years, uh, right. you know, great red zone threat, maybe not a dynamic athlete, but, Right. a super valuable contributor on an offense.
0: Right, catching 35, 40 balls a year, keeping the chains moving. Absolutely. I mean, any any team would take a Heath Miller for sure.
1: When and he can any any can block unlike some of these other guys. Like you look at uh, what's the guy's name? Evan, is it Mathis? Uh and, oh, then, and Evan Ingram and then from How- uh from Ingram, old no, Miss. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and then uh and then O.J. Howard. Like those guys are just big wide receivers.
0: They're, yeah, they're kind of yoked up wide receivers. David and Joku from Miami, very explosive guy, man. In, interesting, intriguing guy. But um, you know, these are these are not kids who have had their hand in the ground. You know, really being a factor in the run game uh, as they'll they'll need to be on the next level.
1: At the same time, if you look at how somebody like like the way the Saints used Jimmy Graham a few years ago, and some of these other teams have sort of uh, like uh, <clears throat> Reed from from the Redskins. Yep. They teams have really figured out how to use tight ends who can't block. You know, That's, because they they're they're like the they're the slot they're the slot uh matchup nightmare because they toast right. linebackers and your slot yep. corner is a five, ten, hundred ninety pound guy who just can't hang with
0: them. Right. And so
1: it's it's just mismatch. It's a mismatch right. if thing.
0: A, if you put a nickel corner on him, you check to a run and then you're in good shape, you know. Um Yeah, or, so yeah, or, or I, you I throw agree.
1: to him and they get a guy who's just sort of buzzing around him like a fly and they and can't stop him.
0: <laughs> That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Um weak offensive line year this year. Yeah. Uh pipe. But let, let's talk about our favorite offensive lineman. Do you have one in this draft?
1: Uh the names are so um just sort of meh that yeah. there there's not a there's not a ton. There's a I I'm forgetting his name now. He's a guard from Pittsburgh who okay. uh he blocked he blocked for Connor. And I'm yeah. totally blanking on his name right now, but he's somebody who I'm intrigued by. In part because, as a Vikings fan, the Vikings desperately need interior line help, and yep. uh, and they don't have a first round pick. So that second to fourth round guard right. uh, interior yep. line draft is sort of their sweet spot. And I hope they come away with one, if not two guys. Right. But he was he was instrumental in Connor being consistently really good. And yeah. again, it's a it's a pro style offense, which means he's not. He's not doing a lot of the, uh, you know, starting with the hands on the knees, pass protection, you know, yep. first step backwards blocking that a lot of these guys do. Um, but he's he's got a lot more nasty, and so he's. I'm going to find his name. I'm blanking on it now, but he's the he's the one guy who I've looked at and been like, ooh, I hope I hope they can get him.
0: Interesting, yeah. I love kids. I love linemen that come out of pro style schemes, and uh, my guy for offensive line is is in a similar place. Ryan Ramchek out of Wisconsin. Um, mm-hmm. he's an offensive tackle, uh, actually played at one of the small division three schools, uh, in, in Wisconsin and then transferred, uh, to the big school, uh, had a ton of success this year. Uh, again, is one of those guys that you feel comfortable grabbing because, uh, of the scheme he played in, you know, he was doing and a lot Wisconsin, of Wisconsin,
1: Wisconsin offensive
0: linemen are always solid. They, they are. Yeah. Even if, even if they're
1: drafted, So you draft a left tackle and he doesn't quite play, just move him into guard and all of a sudden you've got a. A top tier guard because they just they they learn how to be disciplined and block nasty and they 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 don't uh, they don't play soft football at Wisconsin.
0: Man, it's amazing having coached so over the last I don't know five to ten years. I've coached at every level from like you know pee wee all the way up through you know Division two college ball. You know where I'm coaching now, and so many kids have never gotten in a three point stance. You know, so many kids. Um, just live in that two point stance as offensive linemen. Their first steps are always backward or lateral. And, um, you know, then we, we wonder why there's a dearth of quality run blocking at the pro level. And uh, and that's why, you know, the kids yeah. literally don't know how to do it because they've never done it before.
1: Dorian Johnson was the guard I was trying to think of. He's the, oh, he's nice. the, the Pittsburgh guard. So he's the, one, he's the one who I would I think is, has the potential to be sort of a, a good value in that, in that third round-ish range.
0: Nice. Nice. If it sounded like I got up and walked across my office, uh, it's because I did. I had to kill a huge spider on my wall, man. Mm. Uh, yeah, it was gross.
1: I, I thought maybe we were just getting in a three-point stance out of nostalgia.
0: I was, yeah. Just for nostalgia's sake, let's uh, let's let's hop to uh, a pretty good linebacker class. Pipe. What uh, what what do you see uh, at linebacker on the other side of the ball? You guys just had uh, Chad Greenway retired, didn't he? After a nice yeah. long career as a yeah, Viking, he played
1: like twelve years, and and was uh, was a really good player. Um, see, I the NFL has thrown me off when it comes to linebackers because the the outside pass rushing linebacker is sort of in vogue. Yeah, but I feel like if you spend most of your time on the other side of the line of scrimmage, you are not really a linebacker. Um, you are a pass rusher. That's a, I feel like it's a different position. So I think I mean it seems to me real clear that Reuben Foster is is the best linebacking prospect in this draft, kind of bar none in terms of your classic sideline to sideline run run stopper, but also you know can play downfield. I mean he's he's a little like Luke Kuechly, who is yeah. just filthy.
0: Yeah, he's filthy. Reuben Foster's got a little bit of, like, dirt bag in him. Like, he'll strike you, and he'll hit you in the face. And, oh, and uh,
1: he, yeah, he just thrives on big bending guys' face masks, which is so fun.
0: <laughs> he's so much fun to watch, man. Yeah, like Luke Keekley You know, you watch a Carolina game. I watch I watch Panther games just for Luke Keekly. Um, I love to watch him fly around sideline to sideline. He actually reminds me of Junior Seau, uh, the way Junior Seau used to play. Very active, very athletic guy um you know just running down the football from wherever on the field uh yeah huge Ruben Foster guy the other guy i like at that position man is uh is Ben Bulware from Clemson and i think did you and i disagree on Ben Bulware around national championship time i don't in that i, I was excited about him and you thought he was a him. douche you there dude you there yeah i said i don't recall having an argument about him interesting yeah maybe that was with somebody else um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Ben Bullwear guy and I, I, the thing about a guy like that is I don't know athletically if he will have the chops to hang at the next level. You know, he's kind of a, yeah. kind of a sawed off, you know, five eleven, six six foot, you know, mm-hmm. bowling ball type of guy, effort guy, try hard guy. Um, but I just love the activity. I love that he was always around the football. Um, he seemed to have a nose for contact. He seemed, uh, suited to take on lead blockers and, um, You know, he seems like the kind of guy to me that will uh, make big contributions in special teams. So whether or not there's a a spot for him on the field, I think he becomes, you know, one of those Larry Izzo type uh, special teams players that could uh, could hang around in the league for a long time because of that. Um, Great. I I feel like I feel like uh, like inside linebackers
1: um, are sort of a. They're a great value for for teams because. Because outside of like the the Ruben Foster, that supreme athlete, they just get pushed way down the draft because it's such a passing league now. Yep. But but there's a lot of value in a guy who who is who's smart, who has learned a defense. He captained his defense. He's th- those guys love contact. Uh, that's yeah. why they play middle yeah. linebacker. And I think I think those guys always end up contributing somewhere. Yeah, they might be special team star. They might move to a different position. They might just. They might just add depth, but they—they're really solid. I think Zach Cunningham from Vanderbilt is an interesting one too, because anybody who can play inside linebacker in the SEC for multiple years, yeah, like there's there's something to be said for that.
0: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, let's talk pass rushers, pipe. So we kind of we kind of covered the traditional inside linebacker yeah. a little bit. Do you have a favorite pass rusher?
1: Um. There's a this is an insanely good group of pass rushers. Um it really is. You know, we it's it's really deep. I think I think one who will be he might not be as flashy as the others, but uh because he's not he's not an explosive speed guy, is Derek Barnett from Tennessee. Um mm, interesting. Cuz he was he was a 3-year starter for them. He broke Reggie White's school sack record, which mm. is not an insignificant thing. Now, granted, yeah. Teams are dropping back 55 times a game, so he had more chances. But he's also just a really solid player, uh, so he can play the run. He can, So he can be a he can be a three-down defender instead of being a situational pass rusher. He's not going to be taken advantage of if teams want to run at him. Um, yeah. And I think he's probably going to be one of those guys who's second half of the first round, yep. but immediately comes in and makes the defense remarkably better without being the flashy guy.
0: That's right. Yeah, he can be a rotation guy. Um, in a pass rush scenario, he could be the second guy. You know what I mean? um you, He could be the Shane Ray to somebody else's Von Miller um yeah. in terms of a team already having a pass rusher. Yeah, he's, I think he would be. He's a, the guy. He's the guy who's going to be like
1: a. He's never going to have more than like eleven sacks, but I bet he'll get right. eight every year.
0: Dude, he he would be a great fit in a place like Detroit. You know, Detroit already has Ziggy yes. Anza, um who's yes. done some work, who's put up some numbers, but they need another guy. They need a guy. Um, to take the chips and to take the double teams uh, occasionally away from Ziggy Anza. And I think he would be, uh, he would be a nice fit there. The guy that I like, man, is uh, a Michigan defensive end uh, named Taco Charlton. Um, Name of the draft. What's that? I said it's the name of the draft. That's the name of the draft. That's by far the best name. There's always one, you know, there's always one. Taco Charlton is a player though. Um, A lot of length, a lot of size, Um, flashed a ton in Michigan games. You know, he didn't always get home uh, in terms of the sacks and in terms of the sack numbers. But um, you know, my recollection of taco Charlton watching a lot of Michigan football was just tackles for loss. You know, he was always stringing plays out. He was always in the backfield. Uh, making something happen on that defense and you know he's a guy that will probably go late first early second and uh and be a nice value there as well well let's uh let's move into the secondary pipe this is a great secondary draft um oh, man, let's, is it ever. yeah let's very deep very very deep the deepest uh deepest secondary draft I can remember in a long time um so let's talk safeties first who do you like um yeah. who do you like back there
1: so there's a handful of safeties at the top who have kind of gotten all the buzz, um, yeah. but the guy who, you know, I don't I don't watch the uh, the combine, but I just sort of pay attention to the numbers. There's a guy named Obi Melifonwu from Connecticut, mm-hmm. who is a three year starter, so he started thirty plus games for him, which is always a plus because I feel like especially in the secondary, um, inexperienced players just get roasted. It's Absolutely. a tough it's a tough position to transition into young corners especially get roasted, but safeties too. So he's experienced, he's six, four and like 220 pounds. Crazy. He ran a a four, four flat and then, and then just destroyed the broad jumps and the short shuttles. So he's just an insane athlete. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I mean, he played at Connecticut, which is not great competition, but not terrible. Um, but I also suspect he didn't get great coaching yeah. And so I'm just I'm intrigued by this guy who's one of the top athletes in the draft. He's yep. a monster size-wise. And yeah. is probably a round two guy because just because there's so many good D backs ahead of him, I think yeah. uh, I think he's a guy who who could potentially really develop into just a star.
0: Oh, uh, most definitely. Yeah, he kind of fits that Seattle profile. You know, the the yeah. long. Lanky corners, the um you know the Richard Sherman profile, the Cam Chancellor kind of profile,
1: and I I think he's a little bit more center fielder than he is like come up and thump somebody. But yeah. but in the league today, that's a really
0: valuable player. It really is, man. Like I want a guy who turns the ball over. You know, yeah. um, I I think you know you you look at guys who can stop drives, and they they stop drives in a variety of ways. But the the best way to stop a drive and flip the field is to get a turnover. And uh, for that reason, my guy is Malik Hooker uh, from Ohio State. And I, I have mixed feelings about Malik Hooker because I also like safeties that will, that will strike you. I like guys that will smack you in the mouth and be a factor in the run game. Yeah. And he's not really that guy. Um, Jamal are Adams easier is. easier to guy. find, too. Yeah, those, the, they
1: are. The, the hitters are easier to find because you can, you can take a, an athletically limited guy and put him in that role. Like Cam Chancellor, who's probably the best hitting safety in the league right now, he's not right. a good cover guy. He's okay. That's right. He's okay on That's tight ends, right. but but they put him in a position where they're like, no, you just have to cover this amount of space and then just scare the bejesus out of people.
0: He reminds me of Dave Duerksen from the old Bears man, who was really like another <laughs> linebacker. You know, yes. they would they would put Duerson up on the line of scrimmage, and sometimes they blitz him. Sometimes he's just hanging around as a factor in the run game. Um, but either way, he was like having an extra backer on the field uh, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. Pipe, I want to give uh, I want to give some love to a small school guy. Um, do you have maybe a favorite sleeper or small school guy that you've looked at? You know,
1: I haven't done is I haven't dived as deep into this to to have to to look at that. I, you know, I'm always intrigued by guys who come out of Troy, though, because I feel like they always put guys into the league who are monsters. They put in I think they put in uh, who was it DeMarcus Ware. And then a couple years later, there was another pass rusher. So if there's any guys from Troy, that's my guy.
0: Dude, there you go, man. Going for the going for the Troy player. Uh, I'm going to give love to a guy from Lane College, uh, which is where I coach. Uh, we're a Division II historically black college uh, here in Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, we had a guy, Whitney to Richardson. Be, to be clear,
1: who, you're not historically black.
0: Just I'm not historically say. or otherwise. You know to be yeah, to be completely right. clear, since this is radio and not television. You know people may not know, but uh, I am not. Although they let me coach anyway, which is uh, is really cool of them, and. um I have to tell you, if you've never been to a black college football game pipe, you gotta come down this fall uh, and take in a lane game. Um, yeah, the the music you will never hear better marching band music anywhere in, in the world. Uh, it's an experience, man. It's so it's so much fun. But we had a what, we had a guy at lane. Man, what was the player? Yeah, the player's defensive end, Whitney Richardson. He had twenty sacks in ten games. Um Whitney we had for one year he was a transfer from uh, I think Mesa Community College in Arizona long dude reminds me of Jason Taylor he was like 6'6 240 um really lanky really good first step like nobody in nobody in our conference could could lay a glove on this kid and uh he actually won the um national division 2 defensive player of the year award at Lane um and then came out so uh, I've kind of lost track a little bit of Whitney since he left campus but um, but I'm excited to see if he lands anywhere, and I think someone will take a a flyer on him because you can't you can't beat production like that, um, even if it is the small college level.
1: Yeah, I mean when when I was at uh, when I was just graduating from Wheaton, there was a guy who was two or three years behind me named uh, uh, Andy Studebaker, who oh, yeah, set the he a school nice record career. for sacks. Yeah, and he yep. he ended up he ended up being drafted in, and he had yeah he had, so I think he had an eight or ten year career. Backup outside linebacker, special teams guy, but those small school guys who have massive production and have those, you know, their their athletic their athletic uh, measurements stack up, they can come in and play. Especially if they have the kind of the work ethic in that just they understand what they understand what they are. It's they're not going to come in and be a star because the first and second and third round picks get all the reps. Yeah. But those but those late round guys, they can they can work their way into a rotation, they can catch an eye and and all it takes is you know all it takes is one chance and all of a sudden they you know they can lock down a uh, they can lock down a
0: starting position that's right well pipe let's do uh let's do a little exercise that that we have probably seen done on TV and in another uh, other draft podcasts i want to mock draft the first 10 picks of this draft mm-hmm. and uh if you're up for it i'm up for it i will uh, i will let you have the number 1 overall pick so you can start as the cleveland browns um and then i will be uh, i will be on deck as the san francisco 49ers and uh, i'm gonna put you on the clock man so uh you are officially on the clock to open up this uh, this mock draft. we'll do the first 10 picks. who do you like for Cleveland?
1: um my hope is that Cleveland does the smart thing and <laughs> sits sits out the quarterbacks this year at least oh, in goodness. their first two at least in the first half of the first round if they want to pick up a guy later as a a flyer, sure. Go ahead. But, I mean, yeah. they drafted a guy in the third round last year who actually put up decent numbers. Um, so they they don't need a quarterback, especially because they're not going to be good this year. Right. They need to draft Miles Garrett, the defensive mm-hmm. end from Texas A and M, because he's I think he's the safest bet in this draft. If he's yeah. if he does not reach his potential, he'll still be a top half of the league defensive player. If he does reach his potential, he could be. You know Julius Peppers or something, just just a, a beast of a pass rusher. So he's the he's the real obvious pick.
0: He's a freaky talent, man. And to me, there are only four or five really special guys in this draft from a from a freakish physical standpoint. And I'm going to take one of them at number two. This is going to be a little bit of a surprise uh, for this team because they have so many needs defensively. Um, but new GM, new regime in San Francisco. Uh, I'm taking Leonard Fournette running back to the San Francisco 49ers because um, he's just, again, one of a handful of really freaky guys in this draft that I think immediately makes your team better. Uh, I think he's helped by uh, the rookie year that Ezekiel Elliott had down in Dallas, and uh, I think he goes to San Francisco and kind of gives them a new identity uh, that they desperately need on both sides of the ball. So let me ask a clarifying question. This is what you would do, not what you think they will do. This is what I would do.
1: If I were picking for these teams, this is what I would do. Because there's no way that Fournette's going to them because uh, because they have a Shanahan as coach and they have I think they have like I think they sold their soul to the devil in exchange for never drafting a running back before the fourth round or something. I don't know how that works, but they just they don't. They don't ever take running backs back. I know
0: they don't. But think about this though. Think about the classic Shanahan zone scheme and the kind of backs that have excelled in that scheme. Um, yeah. Fournette would be a freakish example of that kind of back. Like he's a mm-hmm. he's a bigger Terrell Davis, Um, and I, I'm I'm intrigued by that aspect of of him. Um, oh, he's uh,
1: Fournette is a beast.
0: He's gonna be. I mean,
1: again, a, if he's bad, he's still gonna put up multiple thousand yard seasons and be you know be a Pro Bowl level level player. If he's good, he's you know he's
0: he's like a faster Marshawn Lynch. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. I think you can't go wrong with Leonard Fournette at two to San Francisco. Now, the Bears are on the clock at three. This is tough for you as a Viking fan picking in the division for a rival team. Can can I just pick Mitch Trubisky for him (laughs) because I think he sucks? Um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know what? They'll probably beat you to the punch and do the wrong thing. So as a lifelong Bear fan, I can tell you that um, chances are good that they'll screw this up. See, here's the thing. The last few drafts, they've
1: picked players who – who were talented and just couldn't stay healthy. And so they, they're hoes. but the, the advantage to, for the bears is that they, they literally talented every position because they're not good anywhere. Yeah. Um, man, let's see. John Fox is the coach still, uh, which means that I think that in this scenario, I think they'll go defense. Mm -hmm. And I think Fox is, I think Fox is a trenches guy. He wants yeah. to he wants to solidify that. So every yeah. mock draft I've seen for them has them taking a de- defensive back because uh, because they're so bad at covering anybody. Sure, but a pass rush improves everything, and so I think in this scenario they would take Solomon Thomas from Stanford. I think the other option would be Jonathan Allen from uh, from Alabama, but just
0: yeah. one of
1: those one of the the next couple pass rushers. So I'll give him Solomon Thomas.
0: Yeah,
1: because um, I think that's more of a John Fox pick. I think. I think that's a better way to build a defense than having a mediocre defensive line. They were okay last year, but a mediocre defensive line and then and then a, uh, a mediocre secondary. I'd rather have a really good defensive line and try to patch together the secondary.
0: Indeed, indeed. Um, I actually like Jonathan Allen better than Solomon Thomas, just for me. Um, Solomon Thomas is that
1: because he's, a- he's from Alabama instead of the Pac-12?
0: Dude, he's from Alabama, but he's been a guy who to me has just been. Consistent in terms of flashing and making plays. Solomon Thomas was a little bit late to the party here with, uh, um, you know, kind of a strong a strong uh, draft season, if you will. Um, not that he's a bad player, but I just don't see him being a freaky, you know, difference maker. The, the nice thing about Jonathan Allen, you can move him along the line of scrimmage and play him kind yeah. of anywhere. He reminds me a little bit of a Warren Sapp in that regard, um, and I like him for that reason. So yeah. that that puts me on the clock at number four uh at jacksonville jacksonville has needs they have many needs uh i'm gonna take the best um the the best kind of versatile safety the best leader the best defensive leader in the in the draft class and that's jamal adams um i think you pair him with somebody the other uh talent that they have on that side of the ball in jacksonville and it becomes a very uh intriguing defense with a very intriguing back end uh i'm going jamal adams which puts you pipe on the clock with our hometown, Tennessee Titans. That's right, who I don't have any
1: vested interest in, but the better they get, the more enjoyable my Sunday afternoons are. So uh, I think the Titans, the Titans have two big needs. One is they really need playmakers on offense, mm. um, but they don't need running backs, and that's where the playmakers in this draft really are. Um, right. And then they really need defensive back help because they're pretty solid at linebacker, and they have a above-average defensive line. Um, right. So I think they need a corner more than anything, and there are some good corners here. I I think the most talented corner in the draft is Lattimore from Ohio State. Yeah. Um, but he's also an injury risk. Right. So I think what the Titans will really try to do is trade out of this pick, if I had to guess. You know, sure. because they don't they don't have a second round pick, so if they can move down to like eleven or something yeah. and then yeah. uh and then pick They're up like a second. second. rounder. Yeah. Absolutely. But but in, in this scenario, I will give them uh I'll give them Marshawn Lattimore from Ohio State because if he's healthy, he's uh mm-hmm. he's a shutdown number one corner and that's that's their biggest need outside of a playmaking wide receiver.
0: Interesting, man. I like it. Um speaking of playmaking wide receivers, uh I think one of the again, handful of really special players in this draft is Mike Williams out of Clemson. Um, we didn't talk receivers before I, I, uh, I glossed over that. So I failed in my, in my, um, my work as the host of this program, but, uh, but we will get to it now, uh, because I am picking for the New York football jets, the J E T S jets, 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 who like the Browns need to avoid the quarterback position, like the plague. Um, Mm -hmm. they need to not be in the quarterback business in this first round. Um, I think Mike Williams is a nice player for them. So, uh, they lost Brandon Marshall, uh, across town. He went to the New York giants. Um, I think Mike Williams becomes um, a nice weapon for the Jets. You know, the Jets have quarterback questions. They don't know who's going to play there. Um, there's not great offensive line talent uh, this high up in the round. So I think yeah. you're, you're you're looking at a very special player um, in a very sensible spot there to the Jets at six with Mike Williams. Um, now, uh, and we they, have the, and the... I mean, the
1: Jets could go any
0: direction because they
1: they probably have the least young talent of any team in the league. They still have a few, a few okay veterans, right? But they're just an old crappy team.
0: They're They're an old crappy team. They could go running back. You know, a lot of people have Fournette going there. Um, You know, they could they could reach for a Dalvin Cook or a Christian McCaffrey. I mean, they could they could fill a need there. They could fill a need at receiver. Um, They just have a lot of needs on that team. Yeah, and um, very much. You know, you kind of can't go wrong. um, You know, picking there. So, pipe that puts you on the clock with. The now Los Angeles Chargers at number seven.
1: Oh, that sounds so bad. They're the San I know, Diego I Chargers, and I really no, hate it. I do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and I feel terrible for San
1: Diego fans because I can't think of anything worse than losing your team. Um, <laughs> well, Mike Williams would have been the perfect fit here, I think, because because they have they, they're they're about one explosive offensive player or two away from being potentially a division winner. Because their defense is pretty good, um, mm-hmm. especially with Bosa and and a handful of other guys. And then they drafted a tight end last year. I think Hunter Henry went to them last year. So, and then they've got uh, they've got Melvin Gordon at running back, um, yep. and and then Philip Rivers is not dead yet. So I think they right. really need a wide receiver. It just feels a little early for the rest of the wide receivers. It does. Um, yeah. But. But I think they take a flyer on. Oh man, this is how how far do I stretch on this one? It's between was is it? Uh, it's between Corey. Uh, what's his face Corey from Davis. Western Michigan? Yeah. yeah, Corey Davis. Or uh, or the Washington wide receiver who is John? Is it John Brown? Um, yeah, John, John Brown.
0: Well, yeah. I'm, I'm not a fan of it all. I
1: I think they go. I think they go with. Uh, With with Corey, because because I think he's he's the other guy who has the potential to be a complete receiver, you know, can stretch the field, can make plays after the catch. Um, He's big. He's fast. It's a small school uh, receiver. But at the same time, the best receiver in the NFL right now also went to Western Michigan. So Central Michigan, right? Was it Central Michigan? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, right. It was yeah, uh, yep. yeah. Antonio Davis it's went to. It one. was one of those directional Michigan schools, so they're all basically. It's a directional
0: the same. school. That's right, man. Yep. <laughs> so, up chips. so there's those guys.
1: Those guys can. Uh, those guys can. Can produce. So I, I think it's a stretch there because I don't. I don't think he's a guarantee. But I. The alternative is just sort of getting deeper at a position they're already pretty pretty good at. Like they could they could go with. Derek Barnett or Hassan Reddick or one of these defensive linemen who's there or a defensive back, but, but they really need an offensive playmaker.
0: Yep. Yep. That's right. So that has me picking in the eighth spot to Carolina. Um, and I'm going to make a little bit of a reach here too. So you reached on the last pick. I'm going to reach on this pick uh, with a player that I really like. Uh, he fills a need for Carolina um, with Jonathan Stewart getting a little long in the tooth. Um, I'm going to go Christian McCaffrey right here, man. Um, Christian McCaffrey, sneaky good inside runner. Um, not the powerhouse, obviously, that Leonard Fournette is, but has great vision between the tackles. Um, he's your he's he's a four down player. You know, Christian McCaffrey helps you in the return game. Uh, he helps you in the slot. Uh, I think he does a lot of things in that offense um, that will make Carolina a little bit more versatile uh, than they have been in the past. You know, they've had you know they they've had kind of the quarterback power look with Cam Newton. They've had the the inside thumper with Jonathan Stewart. I think McCaffrey gives them a little bit more uh, versatility in the backfield in terms of what he brings. Uh, so I'm going Christian McCaffrey to Carolina at 8, um, which puts I, you on the clock.
1: I think Four. that's a, I think that would be a really interesting fit for them because they, they've they only ever had sort of a, this offense that does two things. One is chuck it 15 to 25 yards downfield, and the other is run it between the tackles. <laughs> um, that's right. And so, so to have a guy who can – who can work that in between, which McCaffrey's a monster receiver. He's really he good. He um is. I think I think that that uh, that changes the shape of
0: that offense pretty dramatically. Absolutely. Absolutely. So who do you like pipe at nine for the Cincinnati Bengals? I don't know. Who's been arrested recently? Um <laughs> You know who I, I have going there, actually. Uh um, Ruben Foster? <laughs> I had Ruben Foster going there. I think he's
1: he, he's I, he's uh, I I think it fits. I yeah. think I think he or somebody like uh, Barnett would yep. would both be a good fit there because they they've lost they, they used to have a really good defense for several years and then they've lost some talent and and just sort of they've just sort of diminished on defense. They're still an right. okay offense. They're not great, but they're okay. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing they need is an offensive lineman, but this is a really bad offensive line class, and so I don't think right. they stretch for it. So let's right. let, let's give him Foster just because I feel like he. He plays into the Cincinnati ethos a little bit better.
0: I agree, man. I totally agree. I think he fits in immediately there. Uh, he provides a little insurance against, uh, you know, their other insane linebacker, um, you know, making himself unavailable for one reason or another. Um, they,
1: they, have a, they have a couple of insane guys on that defense.
0: <laughs> they do. They really do. Um, so now I'm picking here to wrap our 10-pick uh, our mock draft for Buffalo. Um, interesting team, Buffalo. Buffalo could go quarterback. They probably won't. Um, they seem content to just be uh, Tyrod Taylor's team here for the moment. Um, they could go running back, but the the two kind of elite guys are off the off the table. I think there's a guy left here um, in Malik Hooker that represents a really great value at number ten for Buffalo. Uh, again, this is a, a safety, kind of a center fielder. Uh, rangy makes a lot of plays turns the ball over can take the ball to the uh, to the to the crib when he gets it in his hands um, I really like Malik Hooker uh, for Buffalo if he's around um, another guy that we could look at there um, you know you could look at a Dalvin Cook you could look at a uh, Taco Charlton potentially on the D line um, I actually think in our mock, our little mock Jonathan Allen is still available am I am I right because you took Solomon yeah. Thomas
1: I took Solomon Thomas for the Bears, and yeah. yeah, and then you took, yeah, yeah. Allen's still available.
0: I talked about how yeah. I like Jonathan Allen, but he hadn't come off right. the board yet, so, uh, so I'm be, going Malik. If, if, if yeah,
1: if he fell to ten, that would be
0: a steal for Buffalo. That that would be a huge steal. Yeah, that's a that's a difference maker. If he's there, I may I may need to grab him because the draft is deeper, certainly at safety than it is uh, at defensive tackle or defensive end. So, uh, Pipe, this has been uh, this has been fun, man. As it always is, uh, talking football together. I'm really annoyed I couldn't remember Corey
1: Davis's name. I kept wanting to call him Corey Williams, which is a different athlete altogether. So, yeah. I, apologies to listeners for getting my wide receiver names mixed up. That was oh, dude, it 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 just, just a, that was a total brain fart mid draft.
0: Somebody will correct you on Twitter, though. That's the great thing about it. Oh it, well, the last time we talked sports, uh, I, I accidentally called uh, Oscar
1: Robertson Oscar Peterson. So. Um, <laughs> One of whom is a fantastic jazz musician, the other of whom is the former record holder for uh, triple-doubles in a a
0: season. Hey, you know what? It's an honest mistake, Pipe. Don't beat yourself up over stuff like that.
1: No, I was the listeners who were beating me up. I was doing just fine.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, speaking of other players and other sports entirely, um, we've got a couple of minutes left. We should just take uh, five minutes or so here and talk about the NBA playoffs. So um, we're deep into round one now. Uh, We've got some nice series going on. Um, some nice performances have come out of this, and you, in particular, Pipe, uh, had some things that you wanted to say about the uh, the MVP race that yeah. uh, has yet to be decided. Right. So I, it, the longer
1: Russell Westbrook plays and keeps putting up triple doubles, the more I hear people going, "Well, clearly he's the MVP." And I realize I he was your choice when we when we discussed this previously. Correct? Actually, Kawhi Leonard was my choice. Kawhi Leonard is your choice. Okay, that's right. So, and and the more I watch Russell Westbrook play. Uh, and and play, quote-unquote, with his teammates, the more I think... <laughs> we use that term just, loosely. There's just no way in anything that he should be the MVP. Right. He has had a profoundly incredible statistical season, including this first round of the playoffs. Right. He makes everybody else on that team worse.
0: Yeah, that's like, they're true. They're
1: just all... Because and and so when people talk about well Harden has the better supporting cast, if Harden was on Oklahoma City, that supporting cast would be better because he involves people, and he's and granted I, I think think Tony's a way better coach too so there's there's all sorts of moving pieces here. Right. I just don't I think I think Westbrook is is he's he's the definition of polarizing player because he's doing something nobody's ever done. Right. He's he's a force of nature he does make his team better in one sense, but he doesn't make any of his teammates better. So puzzle that one out. I just, (laughs) I think it's, I think he is, I think this first round of the playoffs, if it was included in the voting should actually take away from his MVP case, not add to it. Mm. That's my argument. And so I still, I still rest with Harden as the MVP. um, But but it's it's just interesting because I think uh, I think Westbrook has has uh, has been very divisive.
0: Yeah, he certainly has, man. Now, who have you enjoyed watching the most uh, just here in this first round? So, um, as you as you think about the games that you've been able to, yeah. to to catch or check out here in the first round of the playoffs, who have you enjoyed? You know, I taking think the
1: biggest surprise so far has been the fact that the Bulls managed to uh to to take two games from Boston before That's Boston sort of found their footing. Because the Bulls are garbage. They're just a They're bad terrible. team. Like, oh, yeah. They're a mess. Not a, I don't know if Hoiberg's a good coach. He's been given a garbage roster. Dwayne Wade's old as dirt. Jimmy Butler's fantastic, and he's the only good player on that team. Right. Um, their front office is, is is horrendous. They traded away their, you know, Taj Gibson and, and McDermott, both of whom ought to be contributors. Um, That's right. And yet somehow, somehow they, uh, they took two games. Now I think Boston's going to wipe the floor with them from here on out especially cuz Isaiah Thomas looks like he sort of regained his his playing after the the loss of his sister and yeah. but that was that was the biggest that was probably been the biggest surprise to me. I think the Memphis San Antonio series is great fun because Dude, that's what a just fun a, That's just an elbow throwing good time is what that is. And then Fisdale's rant, you know, oh, uh classic. after data or data was yeah. was you're not going to rook us. There's so many quotes from that that are just that are Dude, just the, the
0: best. The dog in Fisdale came out in that press. Oh yeah. And I loved it. I absolutely yeah. loved
1: it. Yeah. I watched it and I was like, I want to play for that guy, a coach who gets his players backs like that. Uh, and it, and it seemed to sort of not tip the series, but, but even the scales a little bit because he, he brought the fire out in his team a little bit more. And I think that the, I think that the refs paid attention because yeah. it, that things have equalized a little bit in the game since. So that, that's that been a lot of fun as well. Memphis is always a, you know, they're kind of a grind to watch because they don't play pretty basketball. But that's yeah. also what makes them fun because they play different than everybody else.
0: Dude, they do. They really play different and they're fun to watch. And I agree. I think they needed Fizdale's, you know, feistiness in that presser to remind them that they belonged there and that they could, they could be on the same floor as San Antonio in that series. And um, it's funny, man. Memphis has some... They have some, some star type guys, some guys who are mm-hmm. just on the bubble of stardom, you know. Um Mike Conley, when he gets hot, man, is a blast to watch. I mean, he's a guy who can do a lot of things and, and Marcus Gasol is one of my favorite post players to watch. Um, just a technician, a very a very yeah. good shooter. Um you know, he does interesting things. So um I would love to see he's them a great
1: passer too.
0: Yeah, I'd love to see them grit this one out, man, and uh and and come away with the upset. as much as I love San Antonio, you know, I really I'm conflicted in that one because I really like both teams. Uh, I like both approaches to the game and, and both teams have really fun guys to watch. So yeah. uh, I hate to see either of them go home.
1: Yeah. It, especially, yeah. You watch a series like that and you just go, why, why couldn't those guys replace the bulls and the Hawks oh, yeah. and the trailblazers? I mean, granted the blazers are actually kind of a fun team to watch too. It's just that they're playing golden state and they don't have any chance. Yeah. Um, but you just—it's—it's it's just a bummer that there are matchups like that, and then you get like Wizards Hawks, and you're like that—that that yeah. shouldn't even—who cares? Yeah, that's I was watching Wizards
0: Hawks in like November. You know what I mean? Like, like that's just a yeah, it's a it's a boring kind of series that doesn't bring a whole lot to the table for sure. I'm
1: also I'm also reminded that I I really don't like the Cavaliers. I just mm. Le, LeBron no, is amazing, but I just I. I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't like Kyrie very much. Um, uh-huh. He's the. He's a stupendous scorer. He's really, really good. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't like the way they play. I don't like the 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 sort of on switch off switch mentality where they kind of coasted into the playoffs and now they're trying to turn it on. And yeah. Uh, oh, Indiana. There's another team that's just like who cares? Who cares about <laughs> the Indiana that's true. Pacers? Just a boring yep. team. Um yep. But yeah, I just I don't know. They're just. They they seem like a very self-aware team, the mm-hmm. the Cavs do, where it just sort of – they recognize that they're on TV. They recognize everybody's commenting on them. It, it feels very dramatic yeah as opposed to just sort of – like you never get that sense with the Spurs. The Spurs right. are just like they're here to win,
0: period. Um, and Dude, but they're, they're not State, a likably dramatic team. Like the yeah. Lakers in the 80s were always like that too. But like for some reason, they, they were the Showtime Lakers. You know, like you expected because it. It made sense.
1: Cavs – Cavs drama is not entertainment. Showtime exactly. was entertainment. Like they're like, oh, the lights are on and we're gonna we're gonna put on a show for everybody. The Cavs is That's more right. like we're gonna pout and whine and yeah. and then pose and flex and it's right. just yeah, who cares? Dude, I
0: totally agree. There's no likability about them. And I think this is the this is the Achilles heel to the LeBron James legacy, man. It it will it 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 has been and it will be. Um there's there's a fundamental charisma piece that he has always lacked and he's always found himself in these unlikable situations, you know, he's Um, he's been trying to be a
1: brand since he was 17 years old. And it's hard to blame him given the era that we're in, but, but you can't be, you can't strive to be a brand and be likable. That's right. You have to strive to be great. And then the brand happens.
0: That's right, man. The brand needs to happen by accident or the brand needs to just be a, a a normal kind of outflow of greatness, which actually harkens back to the branding discussion that we had in the app that dropped today, man. Um, you know, if, if you, if you haven't really done anything yet, you're obsessed with branding and platform, you become a manifestly obnoxious person. Um, and, and LeBron to be fair to him has done a ton, but, but you're right. He's always been about the brand and he's always been, I think trying to, trying to grasp at something that just has never sort of flown out of him naturally. Um, and it's it's tragic is too strong a word, but it's an interesting kind of sad um, sub story to the LeBron James narrative. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, and, and it
1: was a, it's what it's what happens when somebody becomes excellent at an entertainment craft in
0: right. the
1: era of social media superstars and a con- like everybody's constantly on screen. And so right. like Jordan was spectacular for several years before he became a brand. And then even then there was sort of a myth behind the brand because it was just yeah. a different era. Um, yeah. LeBron has LeBron had high school games broadcast on ESPN That's and, right. and that was still sort of an archaic era compared to where we are now. So again, it's, yeah. it's hard to, I just feel like it, it takes away from his greatness on the court that he is also striving to be a brand.
0: That's true. That's true. Or, yeah, or that's, but, not,
1: that's not That's true. It takes away from my enjoyment of his greatness on the court. I don't think it affects his play at all.
0: Yeah, I don't think it, it affects his play, but it affects, yeah, my perception of his play right. um, or my enjoyment of his play. And what's interesting is that Kobe lacked that too. Um, Kobe was always trying to be Jordan. He was trying to be a brand in the same way. But I think later in his career, he embraced his villain-ness um, in a way that LeBron – you just kind of can't or or won't. Kobe, I, I just feel like at some point the 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 sort of self perception changed from I'm trying to be Jordan to I'm just trying to be a villain who shoots all the time, and I'm fine with that. Yeah. Um, and yeah, even that just, that just, did not care what anybody thought. Right, that kind of low grade insanity has bled over even into his retirement with the Kobe Bryant muse cage and uh, and, and those sorts of yeah. projects where. You just go. This guy's really owning the mantle of just kind of being a crazy person. Yeah. Well,
1: yeah, I, I think uh, I I wish I wish LeBron would get to that point and just be like, I'm just going to destroy the league and uh, and be the villain because I think people would love him more if he cared less what people thought.
0: That's right. That's right. Yeah. Fascinating, man. Fascinating. Um, Pipe, we have wandered to and fro, man we've, uh, we've been on for over an hour Talking NFL draft and NBA playoffs And uh, I enjoy these sports apps And oh, uh, the thing that's great About these sports apps is that People who complain when we talk sports Don't have to listen to them uh, That's right. We people- will brand
1: this right up front. We'll call this a bonus episode and then just label it NFL Draft and NBA Playoffs, and they can just go, you know what? I'm just not going to hit play on that.
0: I'm out. I'm going to steer clear. But you know who I know will be listening is uh, Hector Lagaris of Lagaris Roasters. Uh, Hector yes. is a loyal fan. Hector is a sports fan, in addition to being uh, an elite craft coffee roaster. So Hector is, uh, Hector is, a, is a multi-tool player, and uh, he will roast your coffee. He will listen to sports talk. Um, go to HappyRantPodcast.com, grab yourself a bag of Lagarus Roaster's coffee, and check out the Kickstarter for the movie Silverdome, uh, which I wrote and co-produced. We would love to have uh, some of the Happy Rant family involved uh, in the the funding of post-production for Silverdome. So check out the Kickstarter, grab yourself some coffee, and um, Rachel the Held Evans. The Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings.
1: Resonate has helped us with our editing and mastering pretty much from the beginning of the podcast. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Mark and Jake do a fantastic and timely job with all sorts of podcast services. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast.